Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. I'm delighted to welcome Clay Moffat. Clay, good day. Good day. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And yourself? Doing pretty good. So, Clay, for the benefit of our audience, you could tell me a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, there's plenty of places I could go. So I should probably start with what's relevant. Um, That's usually a good place to start, right? I'll let you figure that one out. Well, I mean, you know, the most relevant thing is for the past six years professionally, mm-hmm. I've been working as a mindset specialist, coach, life mm-hmm. coach, whatever box people will try and put me in. Mm-hmm. And that's been about 10 years of like personal study, but six years last actually making it into my profession. Mm-hmm. And people always ask me, you know, what actually got you into this what got you started yeah what got you started the fact that i couldn't communicate oh realistically yeah as you actually already know i'm quite blunt and uh some things i say if you don't know me can definitely be construed as well this guy is an sob Mm -hmm. and uh, that's he's just being harsh and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. and then when people get to know me they realize the intent behind it and there's nothing like that whatsoever Mm-hmm. And also that I have a huge sarcasm filter, so most things go through that. And um, I think the third thing is that I am rarely, if ever, serious, but always sincere. Okay. So which, which is a huge difference, right? And well, yeah. I think a lot of people get the two words confused with the definition. I don't. I prefer to be sincere, and I like to make everything fun and a joke because I find people learn better that way. Sometimes it's not the most appropriate place for a joke, and I can't put my foot in it, but I still do those things. So when did you discover that you couldn't communicate? What what do you mean? (laughs) Well, I mean, I was a juvenile delinquent. I still am a delinquent, just not juvenile. So it's, you know, the the issues have like changed. A lot of things shifted when I was about 15. I was doing okay at school. I wasn't a straight A student. I wasn't a horrible student. But when I applied myself, I did really well. Mm -hmm. I just really fully apply myself. Mm -hmm. But in year 10, third last year of school, uh, my eyesight just deteriorated mm-hmm. and wear glasses full time. Mm-hmm. And so what I actually wanted to do was be a helicopter gunship pilot when I left school and the uh, military, gone. Like there was zero chance wow. to happen. Yeah. So I started skipping school and going surfing and doing all kinds of things, which were much more fun than going to school. And uh, I was having troubles with teachers already. I've had troubles with teachers. I spent 180 days in detention when I was uh, 11 <laughs> years old. <laughs> So, you know, and teachers 
and tried to say I was ADD and all these other things. And, you know, mm -hmm. maybe right. mm -hmm. my mom took me to a kinesthesiologist and my mm -hmm. grades went from like B and C to straight S. Okay. Uh, within about six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I started doing all these weird exercises, which I didn't understand why I was doing them. But when I did them, my brain started working. I could concentrate, could get things done. And my grades just shifted overnight. Wow. Um, Although I made my mum swear that she wasn't allowed to tell anyone what I was doing because I was like completely embarrassed by it. But then, like I said, after a while, I stopped doing the exercises when I got to high school and my grades kind of dropped a bit, not completely, but a bit. But then when I got that news, I was like, what's the point? Like, I can't do what I want to do, who cares? And I started talking back to teachers. I started getting in trouble a lot. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even trying to get in trouble. I wasn't even trying to be rude, but it's just a directness, a, you could even say a nonchalant attitude, perhaps mm -hmm. like I what other people thought so mm. i told them what i thought mm. and so i left school and joined the military straight away because mm -hmm. i thought it was going to be a great idea because i got to travel mm -hmm. and you know, maybe a bit more discipline would be good for me mm -hmm. now i am so happy that i served in the military like mm -hmm. i really am but the emphasis is on the word served past okay. yeah like i'm even happier that i am out yeah Right, so much happier that I'm out. I've got yeah. a buddy of mine who's now done 20 years, yeah. which is what my original goal was. And after about like three or four weeks, I was like, no, this, this is not gonna be a lifetime thing for me. Mainly because there's a lot of awesome people in the military, mm -hmm. but it's a government job. So unless you have a major safety breach or unless you are convicted of like a federal uh, criminal conviction, you're not getting kicked out, even if yeah. you're in conflict. And uh, the problem with that is <laughs> when someone's in a, in a position for a long time, they get promoted if they're incompetent because it mm. gets out of that position and they become somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a problem with authority. I have a problem with incompetent authority. Mm -hmm. And I challenge it very quickly and it doesn't work out well for either of us in the end because I become exceptionally disrespectful. Mm -hmm. That is something that I need to curb because, mm -hmm. just because I could do something better. They were better skilled at other things like uh, people skills than I was. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter that I was more technically advantaged or I could do things better. And I wasn't better than everyone. So we're clear, like I was a good technician. Mm -hmm. I was not. Better. But people skills didn't really matter as long as I did my job. Mm -hmm. you know? it, just, it really just didn't actually matter. I could do my job. I could get by, get promoted. And uh, I remember one day, I actually kind of feel sorry for this guy now because I was just such a dick. We had the, the chief weapons engineer. Mm -hmm. And I was part of the weapons department. And he was basically dressing down the entire department because we failed a certain part of a mission readiness evaluation. We're going to Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So we're getting ready. We had to do wartime conditions and like do what's called a, a workup. So we're working up to the standard to go to war. Mm -hmm. And we were the only department that failed. And all the junior department had already been on there and passed all this stuff. No mm -hmm. one had changed. There was only senior management that had not been there. So when he started blaming the entire department, putting the blame on the junior, on the junior department, I was like, eh, well, not really. And so when he said, does anyone have anything to say? My hand went straight up. Mm -hmm. And I could see the guy cringe the second he saw my hand. <laughs> He's like, oh, yes, Moffat. Uh, what, what would you like to say? You know, permission to speak further? Yes. And you can just see like the defeated look. Yeah, here we go again. 
Exactly, right? And so, you know, I realized it wasn't more discipline that I needed. And uh, I kind of just bulldozed my way through most things. Mm. Right? I bulldozed my way through relationships, through work, all these things. And um, it's not that I didn't care about the people I left in my wake. I just left a lot of people in my wake. But did you understand what was going on? Not especially, no. It had a pretty pivotal moment when I was on my way to work one day. And I think my grandfather just passed away. I think that was, I was, I was in a pretty foul mood. Mm. And I'm flying out, this is when I'm out now in oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And I'm flying out to work on one of the installations. And we had to go through this, it's kind of like the COVID measures. You know, they're a bit extreme. You don't know why they're doing them because it doesn't make sense that you could go to one place, spend four hours there, but you can't go to this place for 30 minutes. Like, what, hang, how, <laughs> like, so COVID can tell the difference between if you're at a hairdresser for 30 minutes, but you're at the gym for an hour. So we had to, to get to the rig, we had to fly through an A1 nature reserve. Okay. Which means basically you needed, you couldn't have any lint in your clothing. You couldn't have this, you couldn't have any seeds. You couldn't, I don't know, all this stuff. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and this lady was just, for lack of a better word, she was being a total bitch. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was just get to work. Like mm-hmm. I was in a miserable mood, I didn't have anything. And she's like, no, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. Like you had to clean your shoes and do this and do this. And I said, look, can you tell me what exactly is not good enough so I can at least do what you need me to do so I can get through and get on the plane and go to work? Mm. Well, you just know. I'm like, well, I don't. Mm. So I'm asking you, can you help me so I can do what you're asking me to do so I get to work? Well, she started going, I'm like, right. And I just lost my shit. I mean, mm. I went with that shit. Mm. <clears throat> Not a pretty sight. I can so, um, put all my stuff through the x-ray, go through the other side. She was there like, and she's like, well, I need to know your name and who you work for and everything. So I told her, I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah. Now I had to fly on a plane to the island, which is Barrow Island. Then from Barrow Island, we had to fly out to the ring. Uh-huh. That was a total of like three hours. In three hours, phone calls and emails had happened to go all the way up to the CEO of the company. Wow. Which is a multinational company of 10,000 people. Yeah. And all, all the way back down again. Yeah. To pull me into the office by the time I arrived. So management want to fire you because of what mm-hmm. you've done. Mm-hmm. Said, what I've done, what are you talking about? Like, I said, so you know it's this woman. Like, yeah, we know. I said, you know how many people have, like, complained about this woman mm-hmm. on the way home? Like, yeah, we know. But she works there and we work here and so we have to do what she says. So how does that work? So there's multiple people that have made complaints, but she's allowed to do it. And it's just like, yep, don't worry about it. You just need to deal with it. And I was sitting down with the maintenance supervisor, who's my boss. And he's like, look, man, he goes, I get it. She's giving me a hard time. He goes, you are in the right. So I don't need to hear where I'm right. I said, I just don't understand why the system is allowing this to happen. It, mm-hmm. it didn't, I didn't get it. He's like, it's just the way it is, man. Sometimes you've got to let it go. Mm-hmm. And so that, that incident cost me a promotion for $140,000. Got me kicked out of the division mm-hmm. because uh, the guy who I reported to directly lost all faith in me, said, I don't know how to speak to people. I've got no personal integrity. So wow. basically, it, it sidestepped my career massively. And so like, I was annoyed at that. But at the mm. same time, I was like, what do I contribute to the situation? Okay. And I started paying attention to things and offshore and then in the military and then at school, there was only one common denominator, which is me. <laughs> right? that, that, that's the only thing. Like, what is the only one thing that is common amongst all these things? 
yeah, it's it's with people who are technically in authority. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was people who had authority that I didn't respect. Mm-hmm. But the common denominator, the only one thing that I could actually do anything about. So I need to change. Okay. So what did you do? A lot of stuff to do. <laughs> um, first, I actually started reading books on persuasion, which is actually, funnily enough, the back to front way of doing things. Because you can learn all the best language patterns in the world. Use my language here, I'm going to swear. If you're yeah. a piece of shit, yeah. you, you know the language pattern and it's not going to be effective because it's 85 to 90% the person who's using the language pattern and 10% is the language pattern. Wow. So it's, it's, it's about you as a person and who, you're, who you are showing up Absolutely. as opposed to how you're speaking. 100%. Well, how you're speaking matters. Let's yeah. put it this way. So one of my mentors says something which kind of really clicked with me. He said, when you look at a person, you know, like, you know what? This is a disciplined person. Hmm. Now, if I were to walk up to you and say, hey, Susan, my name's Clay. I'm a disciplined person. You'd be like, <laughs> what? Get out of here. <laughs> because it's not what you do. Like, it, it's, it, you can tell if someone's disciplined and if they're completely not. And this is why people say, um, don't judge a book by its cover. Hmm. But we all instinctively do Mm. If someone shows up every day, they've got good hygiene, they're, they're, they're on time, they're punctual, they do these things, you're most likely going to attribute that person to being successful as opposed to a person who shows up dressed like a bum, not shaved, doesn't care, all these kind of things. Mm. You won't attribute those same responsibilities and those same characteristics. It's just how we are. Mm. Because one is more likely to lead to success in the way the hierarchy nature of uh, how we set up our society. Mm-hmm. One isn't. Mm. You know, one's more like the, uh, what do you call it, like the outlier, and the other's more the traditional sense, the more conventional sense that keeps happening. So, yeah, I learned that I needed to change. Okay. But I started with persuasion. I started with the back end. Yeah. And uh, I started learning all these language patterns. Like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to test this. And it just, like, got me somewhere, but it kept falling short. But the book I was reading, the first one, was called uh, Black Book of Persuasion, The Black Art of Persuasion, something like that, right? <laughs> That um, sounds dangerous. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, by, uh, by Rintu Basu is, is the guy, is the author. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what it's called. So I was reading this book and I was practicing these things and I was getting mixed results. Mm-hmm. But in that book, he started mentioning NLP all over the place. I was like, oh. Is, right, what's what's NLP? Neuro linguistic programming. Now, if, if you want the definition of NLP, it is a trail of techniques and an attitude that leads to change. That is Richard Bandler's definition. I might have been slightly paraphrasing that, but I'm pretty confident it's almost word for word for most of it. So I dove into NLP and mm-hmm. I started doing online courses. And mm-hmm. I started testing out on my friends and myself. And on my friends, I started noticing really good results. On myself, not so much. And NLP is supposed to be something you can do on yourself. So I'm like, well, hang on a sec, what's going on here? Mm. How come I with other people, not with myself? And then when I went to start studying NLP, I got open to the door with hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, yeah, one of those jackasses with a watch trying to do things. Oh, I'm not interested. <laughs> that's waste time. And so I like put it on, put it on the shelf. And then I went and attended my first NLP live seminar, uh-huh. which which I didn't know any better. So I thought this is like the most amazing thing in the world. I'm going to transform. I'd never listened to Tony Robbins. I'd never been in self-help, never done anything like that. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was brand new in the world. I did not know any better. Mm-hmm. Now looking back, I'm like, okay, I would never go 
go to that training again. Wow. And I've been asked by that gentleman to come be a trainer for him. I was like, there is no way, no way in hell. Because? I just don't want to associate with a brand. Okay. Okay. Um, he's not unprofessional and he's mm. not bad. He's just exceptionally money driven. Mm. Okay. And, okay. Uh, it's just not my kind of thing. I'd rather be working with a coach or NLP practitioner who trains mm-hmm. rather than a trainer who also coaches. Because one's doing the stuff every day and then also doing the training and teaching you how to do it. The other one is like just doing training and training and training and doesn't really get into the, the depths and the actual, the, the minutiae. Mm. So I'd rather take the other one. Mm. And that's why I wouldn't do it. Mm. So I started down that road and then I went and did my first uh, hypnosis training mm-hmm. in Vegas, which was a lot of fun because it was in Vegas. So I could walk okay. down the strip and just hypnotizing everyone and anyone. Fantastic. <laughs> and we were making people drunk for free. You know, like they didn't have to drink anything because you can induce states of like, uh, you can induce drug states, you can induce uh, alcohol states, all kinds of things. Like you can do a lot of really cool stuff. So I was like, hey man, you want to get drunk for free? You don't have to pay a dime. He's like, what? What do I need to do? So just stand there. She's like, all right. So we started getting people drunk for free. We just put like trigger words in and they'd be drunk as a skunk having a great time. So your communication <laughs> skills were obviously getting a bit better because people were trusting you. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the, the, the NLP started teaching me a different frame and different methodology of how to communicate with people. Mm. The hypnosis was what taught me how to connect with people. Because when, when I had to sit down and be hypnotized by someone, I had to show absolute trust to that person. Mm. Like it's the most vulnerable mm-hmm. thing. People are like, mm-hmm. what? I mean, I've talked on stage in front of 500 people mm-hmm. talking about how my brother put a shotgun to his head trying to blow his brains out. Mm. And they're like, oh, that's vulnerability. I'm like, no, man. When you sit down and you're telling someone about what your deepest fear is, even though it's one-to-one, you're opening up completely to someone. Mm. Now you need to hold a holder space that is completely non-judgmental, right? Because otherwise the person doesn't feel like uh, they're safe. They don't feel like they can change and it's just, it's just not going to work. Mm. So the NLP didn't really teach me that. It taught me more of the language and a different way to think about myself in the world. Mm-hmm. But the hypnosis was the substance was like, this is how you connect with people. Mm. I mean, so you know me and, when I am on Facebook, which is not that often, I mean, I post every day on the business page, but on my personal page, it's just kind of, yeah, whatever. Like, but I still like winding people up. I am that sarcastic guy. It's what I'm doing. And even now, like I, I did, I made a joke two days ago on some other guy's wall. And he's like, hey man, you obviously don't get it, but whatever. I'm like, clearly I missed the mark. And mm-hmm. that was the thing. And that's what I learned. That I could send an email to you and mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. But I don't know what mood you're going to be in when you read that email. Mm-hmm. And the mood that you're in when you read that email can completely change the entire context of the email. Mm. And you're like, oh, what a prick. Why is he sending me this? Yeah. But yeah. I sent it to you, you're in a good mood. You've had the best day. You're like, oh, that's really helpful advice. Thanks, Clint. Right? So it was, it was an opening into when you communicate, control the context. And to control the context, if I sit and I have a conversation with you, you can tell a lot more about me by the tone of my voice and what I'm saying. Yes. But then in NLP, they talk about the body language thing, right? So mm-hmm. words only make up, uh, I think it's 7%. Complete another shit. Are you telling me 
they're like, if you just sit there and you can't lip read and you can only like, let's say uh, you're watching uh, two Japanese men uh, do a business deal. So you can't understand a word they're saying, but they're talking and you're saying that you're going to understand what they're talking about and you're going to know, you know, what's, what's happening. No, no way. You might, you might know that, okay, it looks like they've made a deal and it looks like that they were amicable about it. But that doesn't mean that you've got 90% of the communication. No. It doesn't mean anything. You've got no idea what transpired. No. So there's a lot of things to it. Mm. But to, to backtrack what we were talking about with regards to like how this all started, I need to learn how to connect. Yeah. I really needed to learn how to connect with people because yeah. when you connect with people, and this was, this was the biggest thing that I learned. So I mean, in Australia, we've got the saying that you attract uh, more flies with honey than you do with crap. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't quite get the grasp of that. Mm. And even now, even today, like it, what I also realize is it's, it's a never ending process. Mm-hmm. But the whole communication thing has definitely improved. And also, this is the other thing. You need to treat people as they need to be treated. Mm-hmm. Like people always sprout, or oh, treat people as you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Well, they might not want to be treated the same way you want to be treated. You need to treat them as they want to be treated. They've mm. got different needs. They've got different things that need to come up. Mm. And that was also something else which was kind of revolution when I figured it out. Like, so when I was working for Transocean, I can't remember the name of the system. I've been trying to find it online so, so I could actually tell you. They've got like this color code system. And it's uh, green, red, yellow, blue. Mm-hmm. And you were two colors. So you're, one color was your prior, primary. Oh, yes. And the yeah. other color was like your secondary. Yeah. And obviously each had like positives and negatives, right? Mm. So let's say mm. red. Red meant like you just got in and you got things done. Mm. But it also meant that you're quick to anger. You were mm. kind of, mm. um, mm. not quick to anger, but you got frustrated quickly. Mm. And, when, and you're very bossy, mm. but you could take command very easily. Mm. And green was kind of like this perfectionist that did was everything methodical and did everything right. Etc. Mm. But they could also be extremely slow because they'd be so methodical and have to ask mm. them questions. Mm. And yellow was pretty much the most social. Mm. So it means they like to talk, mm. which was a good thing because you could discuss things. But it also meant they would like to keep on talking and mm-hmm. shut up. And blue was the people who used to connect. They were compassionate. Yeah. They cared about people, mm. right? Mm. And so you're like these two colors. But the problem was with that system, like it was a brilliant system in theory. But because like you'd be a yellow red or you'd be a green blue or yeah. you'd be a, a red green or whatever, people would always go, oh, this person's green blue. So that yeah. means that he's just going to want to be uh, caring about you and making sure that you're safe. So don't go talk to him about this because he won't listen. That's ridiculous. And, and that's what they used to do. Yeah. So you were so, so categorized that it was like an overcorrection rather than using it the way it's designed to be used, which is... You don't want an organization of only reds or only greens. Well, that's the thing. Even so, like you're venturing off into the entrepreneurial world, you do not want all entrepreneurial people in your company. No. Because it will com- cause complete havoc. Yeah. And it'll be visionaries going off here and going off here. And you yeah. think you make a whole heap of uh, things, but you need people that are not necessarily the entrepreneurial type person mm. that is going to work on systems and process. I mean, mm. I know you're mm. at that. Mm. But that's what you need. Mm. You need a mixture of both. You need a mm. mixture of all elements. Mm. And then it's kind of necessary in every aspect of life. What has this got to do with communicating and connecting? Everything. Okay. If you don't understand other people's needs, you're never going to connect with them. If you're always okay. looking at the world from your point of view, yeah. then you're always looking at it one-sided. 
Yeah. So if you want to improve your communication skills, then you need to actually think about how the other person is receiving what you're trying to say or the context it's being told in. I'm going to say a really sexist comment. Okay. okay. If you want to improve your communication skills, you need to be female. <laughs> because women actually listen. But, and this is, this is where it's typical, reading between the lines. I know from a fact for myself, and this is for myself, and it doesn't apply to all men, I get that. It definitely applies to a majority that I've met. That if you want to tell me something, you need to tell me exactly what you mean so I can mm. understand. Mm. If you tell me a riddle, I'm being like, what the hell does she mean? I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. Mm. Because I don't know. And I'll ask questions, but if I don't get the answer, I'm like, okay, look, I give up because I don't know. I don't know how to help you. Mm. That's what men do. They want to kind of like fix everything. Mm. Yeah. Instead of realizing that what your partner wants is just someone to listen to. Mm. She's not stupid. Mm. She can figure out the stuff on her own, but she just mm. wants to vent. Mm. Right? That's how. That's just how it goes. Mm. And I use this example because they're the relationships I've been in. Mm-hmm. But it's every relationship. You need to understand what the other person needs to be satisfied in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I believe Zig Ziglar used to say, um, and I could be wrong on whether it's Zig Ziglar or not, I'm pretty confident I'm not, that the more people you help get what they want, the more you're going to have people helping you get what you want. And then on the way, you just align with people that are also going the same direction as you and you're helping them and they'll want to help you back. Reciprocity, mm-hmm. right? So this becomes then a mindset or an attitude it can be but it takes a while for it to break in okay i've worked with a lot of people and some people like they get it they make yeah. the switch and others like they resist against it they fight be- against it like be- no 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 because and to, to, to my understanding they come from a, a a lack mindset i wouldn't say poverty mindset because it's not necessarily poverty that kind of implies, implies that like they're poor I've seen very, very wealthy people come from the aspect where like, no, no, but like if I do that, then this person's going to do this over me mm. and they're going mm. to have this over me and then I'm going to be, I'm going to be behind. I'll be left out. Mm-hmm. So they come from a mindset of black. Mm-hmm. And you could say abundance mindset if you want, that's fine. But it's not even about that. It's just about recognizing that the more you help people win, the more people want to help you win. Mm. It's kind of simple, that. Yeah, I thought so. But it took me a while to get to that point. I know that, right? But I don't just mean this conversation. I mean life. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, but just because it's simple, as you would say, Clay, it doesn't mean it's easy. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the other one. So a lot of people say that ignorance is bliss. Well, I mean, if you think ignorance is bliss, then it can be up until the point that you realize it's not. Yeah. Yes. And then it's a whole world of pain. Yeah. Because you've got a very, very steep learning curve, you've got a very mm. big problem, and you're going to have to fight your way out. At some point, you had to make a decision one way or another, I guess. You could have kept going on that oil rig job, whatever, well, I mean, and just made life difficult as you kept going. Or I don't think I could have. No? No, because... It got to the point where life just wasn't enjoyable. So you right? had to make change. Yeah, I mean, like, I still had my mates and I was still going out and I was still having a great time and I was making mm. good money, home, own home, all this stuff, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm still miserable. What's going on? 
Mm-hmm. And not everyone needs to have hundreds of friends, and I don't. But everyone needs, every human needs to have some form of connection, a deep connection with mm. someone, whether that's mm. your family, whether that's friends. We all need that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know how to connect with people, mm-hmm. or if you think all people are bad, then you're automatically going to filter the world for that and you're going to see the bad in all people. Well, it's kind of sad. Yeah, but there are people that do that. And they don't think they're being negative, they think they're being realistic. Okay. And I think you are living in a fairy world with rose-colored glasses. When you see people, they start talking about how, how great their world is. People are like, oh, yeah, but he's a, he's a dreamer. She's a dreamer. Like, okay. They're off in Marvelland, right? Yeah, yeah. But the person is just insanely positive. And maybe they are a dreamer, but let them dream. If they're not hurting you, let them go. But then you have the person who's like, wait, what's the word? Negative Nelly or yeah. whatever. It's a term. There's a gentleman here who is a good friend who everyone says that. He is such and such. I'm like... Dude, so the amount of stuff that's gone on in his life, like the fact that he's still living, still breathing, and still wanting to give things a shot, it's pretty good. Mm. You know, like he's a battler. Mm. And yeah, he likes to talk about it because he's overcome it, mm. because he's overcome those things. Mm. So he looks at the world from that way. It doesn't mean he's negative, it just means that's how he sees the world. Mm. We all have our and own lens, our own experiences, right. our own learnings failings, whatever, that have brought us to the point we're at. Yep. Absolutely. So if I am being told I need to communicate better, what would Mm -hmm. you say is the first step I can take? Well, for me, and I can only really speak for me because it's different for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. For me, I came to that realization because I started backtracking. I'm like, okay, what's a common denominator? Mm. And then... The next is when you communicate to someone, how often are you getting the result that you want to get mm. mm-hmm. without any backlash? Mm-hmm. Meaning the person's not walking off in a stroppy mood. Mm-hmm. They're not being passive aggressive towards you. They yeah. feel comfortable when they, when they disagree with you, Yeah, which is a huge one. Most people will like yeah. to shy away from that. Yeah. But if you can communicate well and openly, Mm-hmm. People will tell you if they disagree with you and they'll feel comfortable doing it mm-hmm. because you're not going to belittle them. You're going mm-hmm. to listen to them and go, okay, well, I appreciate why you say that. And actually, this is why we're going to do it this way because this is going to mitigate those things which you might not have thought about. Mm-hmm. And then most people are like, oh, um, well, no, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. But you gave them a chance, you listen to them, right? And the problem I found with most people that were in management roles is they were so focused on just doing their part when management is actually focusing on making sure your team is doing their part, because then mm. your part becomes easy to come to managing them. Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle from going from the individual contributor to overseeing people contributing towards something. And that, it's kind of, it's, I won't say it's natural, but it's just... Well, it is. It's absolutely natural, because you, think, you, go, from, you go from being technically skilled and brilliant to now yeah. being socially skilled and brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge transition. It's a massive mm. transition. Mm. Like it's like uh, so let's take someone who has exceptional soft skills. Best mm-hmm. one you've got. Mm-hmm. There's someone that can sit down, communicate with anyone, and what's the saying? They can sell ice to Eskimos. Yeah. Right. You take that person, put them into managerial. Even though they've got social skills, they don't have the social skills. Not always to go and be the manager because it's a different kind of approach a different mindset to being manager to being the lead sales guy mm. so they think well if he's the best everyone's going to look up to him 
because he's the best and he's going to be able to teach everyone else his skills. And I've seen it time and time again that the best sales guy will be promoted to sales manager and he'll quit mm. because he hates a job because he wants to be the number one sales guy. He's better at that. He doesn't want to manage people. He wants to go mm. sell. Mm. And then persuading and influencing. They're something that you're going to work your way towards then. You're not going to be I mean, able to persuade and influence straight out the bat. That, no, you can if you are that person. Okay. And I don't mean, I don't mean that you're born that person. Yeah. This comes back into being like the, the disciplined self, mm. right? So you're punctual, you rock up on time, you can strike a conversation mm-hmm. with someone, you make small talk easily, you can hold the conversation, you can build all these things. That makes you automatically more persuasive. Mm. Okay. You're the person who's fit, you're the person who's healthy, you're the person who looks after your body, you're the person that meditates. Yeah. You're doing all those things on a regular, consistent basis. You're going to be of sound body and mind. That's going to make you more persuasive. It's going to make you more charismatic because it's going to build your confidence. Mm, mm. And your credibility. Absolutely. Mm, mm. Well, you can't have confidence if you're not credible. I know people who are exceptionally good at what they do, but they don't think they have the credibility to do what they do. Mm-hmm. They don't have the confidence. They're like, no, I'm not really going to do that one. <laughs> you're better than most people I know of this. Why would you not? Oh, you know, because I don't have this, I don't have this. I'm like, they lack the credibility in themselves, no confidence. Okay, which would be why people don't go for promotions. Can be a huge reason. Mm-hmm. Can be an absolutely huge reason. Like I need to have this, or I need to have this, or when I get this, I'll be ready. Mm. Never going to be ready. Mm. You're never going to be ready. I was not ready to start the business. I was not ready to go international. I was not ready to go online. I was not ready to do any of it. I just did it. I'm like, well, you know, now we've done it. I'm going to have to get ready. End of story. Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. about like the, yeah, there's three people he's grateful for and I'm going to mess this up slightly but I'm only going to focus on the one thing mm-hmm. and that is that he's always getting ready to become the guy he's going to be in five years mm-hmm. and always knowing that he's never going to be there because in five years time when he gets to be that guy who he wants to be in five years he's going to have a different goal because he's now going to have the goal for the next five years it comes to playing the game because you love playing the game not yeah. because you want to win, because yeah. the game is fun. Yeah, and it's not about getting to that five-year, it's about discovering who you are along the way and right. adapting and being flexible and building more and more. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, if you YouTube it, you kind of, I think it's three cells, it comes up pretty much straight away. It's a cool, cool speech. That's a nice recommendation. So, Clay, that was uh, not at all what we were going to talk about, but nonetheless... <laughs> I think it's been an interesting conversation and it's it's great to hear your own self-reflection and mm-hmm. and now that you I guess help people on the track to to clear some of this for themselves as well and to to start that journey that maybe you I suppose you're saving people time yeah it's, 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 it's just fast-tracking personal growth yeah, fast-tracking personal growth. That sounds kind of cool. So if somebody wants to connect with you, Clay, mm-hmm. how do they go about doing something like that? They reach out to you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I am not your agent. <laughs> um, best way is just email me, go at claymoffat.com. Mm-hmm. Or at claymoffat.com. Yeah. Yep. Or websites. A website, which is just claymoffat.com. I think you mainly work with entrepreneurs. Is that correct? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I've worked with a lot of 
corporates who are, let's say, on the final strokes before they're just about burnt out, like they've had enough and they're running mm -hmm. on fumes. Mm -hmm. um, I've I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. Mm -hmm. And I used to do a lot of work with military and veterans, but not so much anymore, purely because it takes a long time to build trust with them because of the stigma that's attached to asking for help in the military. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're considered lower than life, you're considered weak. And in the military, all they do is build you up to think that you're strong. So when you go, and apparently that is changing. It's been I hope a long so. time, 14 to 15 years since I've been in the military anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that, that I'm hoping that has changed. Mm. But there was a huge stigma when I left that if you asked for help, then you were less than. Mm. And um, I know that's in a lot of places, especially for men, that I think that they're lower than life if they ask for help. Mm. And what I usually say to that is look at the leader of any country. They all have advisors. Mm. They don't do it alone. Mm. No sports team, no, no number no, one yeah. doesn't have a coach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All the best CEOs in the world, so the CEOs of Google had mm. a coach. Mm. The CEO, like Steve Jobs had a coach. Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah. but, I'm but, not saying that like, you should hire me, not at all. No. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're <laughs> just not for so everyone. Clear, right? No, I am sure as heck not for <laughs> But what I am saying is asking for help isn't a bad thing, it makes you human. Mm. And to be fair, it's gonna be the fastest way to get growth when you connect with the right person because they're gonna show you all the blind spots that you can't see. I've got mm. two people, three people I work with right now. Mm. Three different mentors. Mm. One in body language, one in persuasion, and one in coaching. So you're still learning. Oh, it's, never, it's never gonna stop. Great. Well, Clay, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.